What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today we're talking Kosh, Control of Substances Hazardous to Health. Been avoiding this one, not gonna lie, but let's do it. Let's get straight into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We're in a pressured regime of health and safety regulations. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Riss Fluent and your host, James McPherson. So what is COSH then? Well, COSH, Control of Substances, Hazardous to Health. Regulations, basically, that is it. They apply, these regulations apply to the way that we work with substances, okay? So let's not be around the bush. Why have I avoided this? Well, I just, just don't like it, really, if I'm really honest with you. Two reasons why I don't like it. One, I don't really get chemicals. Um, probably three reasons. Second reason, I watched Breaking Bad and they've like dissolved that body into um, the bathtub and it went through and it freaks me out. And number three, not really had that much exposure to it. But I'm not going to lie, guys, this podcast is basically going to be like a whistle stop tour yet again of the HSC guidance, which essentially is what you guys should use. And I will link to that into the description of this podcast. So I think the reason why I haven't had much exposure to it is probably the same reasons why most of you would have not had much exposure to it, is that really most of us deal with control, blah, 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 deal with chemicals on a regular basis, but we don't deal with them long enough or in quantities enough to really have a significant or pose a significant threat or exposure to us. So really, most of us only really need to know the basics, which is what the HSC guide gives us and it's essentially what I'm going to go through today. So what do we need to say? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Not what do we need to say, it's what I need to say. What do we need to do? What do we need to know? Well, you know, the law just repeats and repeats and repeats over and over and over again. So what do we need to do in the law? Obviously the same as everything else. Avoid, risk, assess, control. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's the same over and over and over again. So the COSH kind of regulations kind of provides a framework of actions designed to control risk from the range of hazardous substances. And this is basically, I'm reading here, pretty much from the HSC guidance. Um, and this includes biological agents. And next podcast, might not be next week, but the next one I do on my own um, will be Legionella. So obviously, spoiler alert, Legionella, no such thing as Legionella regs, COSH regs. So the basic elements then are risk assessment, and then where reasonably practicable, prevent exposure or substitution with a less or substitute with a less hazardous substance, substitution of a process or method with a less hazardous one. Yeah, so you're either avoiding it, get rid of it, or you're going to substitute it. Simple stuff. Then we're looking into controlling of exposure, so where prevention or substitution is not reasonably practicable, we're going to try and control the exposure. Simple stuff again. Then we're looking at maintenance. 
examination and testing of control measures. So we've got, you know, anyone that works in kind of laboratories and stuff like that is maintenance and cleanliness of the equipment. You know, make sure the equipment's working, you know, anything from any kind of chemical or any kind of process or machinery has got to be maintained. That's in the regs. Got to make sure we maintain what we have. Provision of information, instruction and training for our employees. This is repetitive throughout everything that we will do and for me it is one of the most important that last bit there training is the most important and remember what professor scott geller says the difference between training and education you want your kids to go to sex education or sex training you guys should know that off by heart by now by now then we're going to look at health surveillance so in some cases and we'll touch on what kind of cases they are in a bit um i get a warning on my camera what's that Don't know, don't know. Anyway, we'll find out in a bit. Um, what are we saying? What are we saying? What are we saying? Health surveillance. We'll go over that in a bit. So we're basically, there are some scenarios where there is health surveillance required, and we will look into that. So most of us are using, like we said, very low-level chemicals, using like cleaning chemicals, and we actually don't even need much of that anyway. Um, so nine times out of ten, you go into a cleaning cupboard, and anyone that kind of works in a profession or auditors or anything like that will know that you'll have a cleaning cupboard and there'll always be a cosh folder in there and it's what I like to call a dust collector. Yeah, which is ironic because it's normally the the most dirtiest part of the building is the cosh shelf in the cleaning cupboard. I always find that quite funny. Anyway, I've got a weird sense of humour. So a risk assessment is not just a piece of paper. You know, it's that kind of whole kind of um, embodiment of risk management and, every, and everything else that, that we need to do. And it should detail so much that we should just live and breathe this document. The problem is, is we have these massive, massive documents for such small, low risk kind of chemical usage. And it's the same for everything. And if, you know, if you're not sure about risk assessments, we've got a podcast um, that we did on risk assessment. So we're gonna talk, talk we're gonna do a, a chemical risk assessment then. So what do we start with? We start with the material safety data sheets. So these are sheets of paper that you should essentially get with the chemical that you purchase. Um, and if you don't, then you can quite easily Google it and download them normally. They're very um, accessible for a reason. Um, FYI, if you've got the orange box symbols on the bottle or on the MSDS, then they're, they're gone. Get rid of them. You should have the red diamonds now. They're the new CLP signs. Um, so make sure we're going to make sure you've got them ones. There we go. Get my words out. Once you go through, there's a couple of key sections and section two and section 16 of the MSDS will tell you what the dangers are. Section four and section eight will tell you the emergency, the emergency precautions and the storage and handling of those chemicals. So they're kind of key sections, four key sections. Two, 16 are the dangers and what the, tell you what the dangers are, sorry. And then four and eight will tell you about the emergency, um, the storage and handling. So think about how you might ex be exposed, how your staff might be exposed. That's kind of the next thing you need to consider. And we've got kind of like breathing um, of gases and fumes and mist and dust. Dust is always an interesting one. Um, if you don't know, most places that use like mass quantities of flour um, become 
explosive atmospheres because the dust is so, I think it's flammable if I remember rightly, but it, it basically becomes explosive. Um, so there's a good example there of how something simple like dust um, could potentially be a massive, massive risk. Contact with the skin, swallowing, contact with eyes, punctured skin, things like that. Got to bear them in mind when you're looking into your task. The HSE in this guidance, which I will link in the description, um, provides a really useful, simple hazard checklist, goes through some basic stuff. Does a product user have any, that you're using, have any danger labels? Does the process produce, the process produce gas, fumes, dust, mist, or vapor? Is it harmful to breathe in? Does it harm your skin? Um, is it likely that harm could arise in the way you use or produce it? Um, what are you going to do about it? Use something else, use it another way, a safer way, control it, stop it from being caused. You know, it's just real simple stuff there. It's like what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six questions. Six questions and you're, you know, you're essentially doing a mini risk assessment there. And then it gives you some examples as well, like substance and process, or like cleaning with a solvent on a rack. It might give you, and then it gives you a control equipment, use a rag holder, uh, provide a small bin with a lid for used rags. Then it says way of working, gives you some examples there of what you can do, avoid skin contact, reduce solvent vapor from used rags. And then it goes, goes on to managing, check control measures are used um, and safe disposal. So essentially, you know, it, this guidance kind of really takes you through a risk assessment, a cost risk assessment um, or a cost assessment for quite a lot of stuff that you can end up just building this stuff up yourself. It's really, really easy. I mean, it goes through just a screenshot I've taken, cleaning with a solvent, dust and sparks from abrasive wheels, um, fumes from cutting demolition scrap, um, cutting fluid mist from lathe, a swarf, dust from a disc cutter and stone workshop. Some real good varied examples there. So choosing control measures then, we're gonna go back to that kind of hierarchy of control. We wanna try and eliminate the use of harmful product or substances for a safer one. Um, then we're looking at use, using a safer form of the product or paste rather than powder and things like that. Trying to look at better ways or better products to use. Um, good ways to do that is just ask the people that's selling you it normally. Just say, look, is there, is there, a, is there a safer version of this? We understand these have, this chemical has got inherent kind of um, hazards to it. Is there another version that does a similar job? And they might go, mm, this one's not as powerful, but maybe you could use this, what are you using it for? I'm using it to clean such and such. Oh yeah, this will be fine for that. Um, so just have those conversations is the best way to do it. Next one then, so you're changing the process to emit less substances. Then we enclose the process um, so that you know the person that doing it is the only one that's exposed, so therefore you can control that and you could like limit the amount of times that you're using it. Extract emissions so we can have low exhaust ventilation, um, have few workers in harm's way as possible, and then finally provide PPE such as gloves, coveralls, respirators, and things like that. Remember, if you've got like respirators or, excuse me, hit my mic, um, if you've got like respirators or face kind of guards, you need to remember if you've got one of these, a beard like I've got as much as I think it's like a few hours if I remember rightly of growth on your face can disrupt the face fit of respirators interesting fact there for you so another point to remember is that the last ones five six and seven on those kind of points they kind of work together so extraction um, fewer 
workers in harm's way and PPE, they all work together. Um, and again, all this stuff is in the HSE guidance. Competence is another thing to think about. Like I could talk about competence all the time. Um, for me, it is, as you probably got in my kind of overexcited podcast uh, a week back or a couple of weeks ago, about competency versus PPE. Competency is just so, so important. You've got to make sure your people know what they're doing. Um, so, you know, have they done that kind of work before? You know, what's their experience? Um, what qualifications do they have? Do they, do they need qualifications for that, that job? You know, you don't want to employ an engineer if they're just going to use the chemicals for cleaning. You don't want to employ a chemical engineer. Um, you know, do they belong to a professional organization? So, you know, if you're a health and safety professional, um, you you normally got a membership with IOSH or the Institute of Risk Safety Management, IRSM or whatever they're called, um, them as well. You know, if you work in the fire industry, you might be part of the Institute of Fire Engineers. Um, if you're part of architecture, they've got ones as well. I think um, the Chartered Institute of Builders Association, is that one? I don't know. There's loads of them. And there's probably ones in chemical as well. Um, can you speak to previous um, employers? What if you're hiring a contractor to do this stuff? Can you speak to their previous clients? All this stuff applies to contractors as well. Um, ideally, you're going to want somebody that really knows that kind of thing. And we're, we're assuming you're doing quite high risk um, stuff here with these chemicals. You've you just got a cleaner, you know, they've been a cleaner before, they're using real low risk stuff anyway, they're probably going to use minute amounts of it as well. Um, you've just got to make sure they know the basic stuff, you know, don't drink this, don't breathe this, whatever. It's a real, real simple stuff. Another one that I think is really, really important for pretty much everything that we do is worker involvement. And big, big businesses fail at this quite a lot, primarily because there's just so many workers. Um, so they think, you know, if we involve middle management, um, just one middle manager, that's it done. You know, it, it's kind of, for me, it's just kind of picking ones out or asking for volunteers. You'll find that most people are really eager to get involved. And then again, obviously, there's, there's a fear of getting people involved for the reason that, there might be a pain in the ass. Let's, let's not be around the bush. Some people just volunteer to this stuff because they enjoy being a pain in the ass. And I get that, but it's so important to find that kind of worker involvement and, and involve them in this. Ask for their feedback because, you know, I, as a health and safety professional, could tell you what help, what good safety looks like, but I can't tell you how to do the job and how to get there because it's the workers that do that work. So when you used to work in manufacturing, I knew nothing about the machines other than what I needed to know about the machines and the risks of the machines. So when I did a risk assessment, the, the, the machiner, the machiner, is that the right word? No, the operator, there we go, the operator was the most important person. Next one, the engineer, second most important person. Obviously I was the most important person, but you know, after me, those two, then you've got the team leader, you know, so you've got those things, you've got kind of like a team leader slash management point of view, you've got a health and safety point of view from me, then you've got the engineer from a machine point of view, then you've got the operator from what we actually do and how we actually get the product out the door um, point of view. And it's the same for Kosh as well. You've got to involve the people that are doing this in your processes, in your risk assessment. If you don't, they're going to end up being dog shit and there'll be that dust collector that's on the shelf. And why are they dust collectors? Because they're not involved and it doesn't apply to them. 
That's why they've got no ownership in it. They've had no involvement in it. That's why all of this stuff becomes dust collectors. So we've already gone over training and information instruction, but just to reiterate kind of, you know, how important that is, you know, there's many ways it's training, information and instruction for different reasons, um, separated for a reason, sorry. So they're all different things. Information, just kind of general stuff, you know, the warning labels, signage, things like that. Instructions is your kind of SOPs. Maybe your risk assessment kind of falls into information. I would say it shouldn't really. Maybe it will be. It could fall into both. If anyone's got an opinion on that, I'll be interested to know. Hit me up, Twitter, and all that. You know. So make sure that it relates you know, bearing in mind who bear in mind who reads it as well. Do they have a good understanding of English? A lot of people, you know, coming over from different countries can talk pretty good English, but they might not be able to read. So have that good example, that good conversation with them about that and see if they can actually read and understand quite good technical documents. So have that conversation, find out. If not, work on getting it translated. There might be another person in the, in the business that can translate it for you. And so think about things like that as well carry out drills of this stuff as well so with chemicals you might have spills and emergency precautions for this so you want to carry out drills the same as what you would do with evacuation drills and things like that so you know think about that what do we do if we have quite a big spillage of this stuff um you know i used to work in a factory where we used to ship quite a lot of these drums and, and they were really low risk stuff if i'm honest they were i think they weren't even irritant they were just environmentally um hazardous so we used to have of that so we used to just get basically a bucket of what did we use it was kind of like thick water i don't know if that's possible i don't know what the engineers did they made some kind of thick water and then we were basically just chuck it on the floor and the second it hit the floor the guy was allowed to run and get the spill kit and basically block the drains and stuff like that and contain it in this like circle and we did that probably once every i think we did it like once every two years um because there was only one guy that worked with it so he knew it inside out um, and he, he just kind of take, took ownership of that area. It was only him and one other guy that worked nine to five. Um, and that was it. I think we had a couple of backups in the warehouse, in the other warehouse as well. You know, so thinking about that kind of stuff. You know, we mentioned about face fit. So if you've got respirators and they need face fitting, remember how to train people to put them on. Um, you know, remember thinking about getting it face fit, actually fit face fit and controlling those ones first people. So do they take them home? Do they have lockers? Think about that stuff. Some, some of the things as well that you would have would have them um, kind of, uh, what do you call it, like the filters, there we go, can't think of the word, they have the filters, they will have expiry dates on them as well, so you've got to remember that. So if you've got things with like expiry dates and just have an in inventory, inventory, there we go, in inventory, 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 that's the American way to say it, isn't it? I don't know. You have an inventory of, of that stuff and so you can keep track of it, you know, and get in employee involvement yet again you know they're putting this stuff on so you explain the importance of this stuff and what it does for them then you know they've got a vested interest in that being in date and that working and um and it protecting them so within the kosh world you've got something called wells so wells is workplace exposure limit so now we're talking pretty in-depth stuff and i'm not going to go too in-depth into this because like i said earlier i just don't really know that much about it um to comment and i i am looking for a kosh expert so if anyone listening to this is like you know i've been a health and safety professional in a chemical factory for like 
five years or whatever. It doesn't have to be that long, um, but you know a hell of a lot more than me, which is not a lot. Um, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and um, see if we can get you on and we'll have an in-depth kind of actual understanding of this conversation. So Wells are basically the British occupational exposure limits. So very similar to like noise limits um, that we spoke about in the podcast with Stevie um, a while back. They're basically set in order to help protect the health of workers. Yeah. So Wells are concentrations of hazardous substances in the air averaged over a specific time period referred to as time weighted average twas yeah and there's two time periods within this guide um, that are generally used as long term which is eight hours and then there's short term which is 15 minutes and short term exposure limits are set out to prevent effects such as eye irritation and which may occur which may occur following exposure for a few minutes um, and that's an extract of the eh40 which is the guide for that which i will also link in the description as well so like I said, I'm not going to go mad into detail with that stuff. Um, all of the kind of stuff you would need to know about that is going to be in your MSDS and the HSE guidance. So the first port of call is to get your MSDS, so the Material Safety Data Sheet. And on that, remember those sections um, that we touched on. So we've got four and eight. Uh, I forgot them already. Um, blah, 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 blah. Get back up to the top of my notes. There we go. Two and 16 uh, What tell you what the dangers are. And four and eight are the emergencies and, and um, storage and handling. So, you know, focusing on those bits. Focusing, you know, give the whole thing a read. But it will tell you if you need to have concerns about workplace exposure limits and stuff like that. And to be honest, if you're working with the stuff long enough and and that in depth or that's that hazardous that stuff that's that stuff that that stuff stuff that is that hazardous jesus christ yeah that then you're probably going to have a much better knowledge of it than i do anyway so pretty much just going to nip in the bud there quite a short episode this week which they normally are if I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. And essentially, guys, I have just read out the HSE guidance to you. I've not even added a 10 pence worth because I don't know enough about it to give me my 10 pence worth. Um, so if you're kind of working with chemicals, you're going to need to consider the EH40. Within the EH40, there's essentially just a massive list of chemicals which will give you the kind of workplace exposure limits, short term and long term. Um, and it just goes on and on and on. You've got to bear in mind as well that EH40 is legally binding, so it will be used um, exactly the same as kind of like the noise limits. They're absolutes, yeah? So you've got to consider your exposure to staff and consider EH40 if you're working with hazardous chemicals that are on that list. So remember, MSDS, look at that. Create yourself a cost assessment, consider the EH40 and the HSC guidance. Just have a look on there and that's where you get your help. That is it for this week, guys. Nice and short this week. Um, next week, we will be coming at you with a couple of uh, podcasts, quite obviously. Trying to think which one we're going to do next week. Mm, I'm not sure. I'm going to leave that for me to decide and you to be surprised. Did you like that? I like that. I just made that up off the top of my head. So, like I said last week, we've got a couple of uh, interviews coming up, which I'm really, really excited about. We've got a few that we're working on as well. Um, don't forget, we have changed the podcast over to Thursday. No, we're not. 
I, mean, I know I said it was going to be Thursdays in the last podcast, but I've changed my mind, spoke to the wife, and we thought we're going to put it to Mondays. So it's going to Mondays. All right, so that eight o'clock, Monday morning, new podcast every week, start a new week, start your brain going when you're walking the dog, when you're driving to work, every Monday, new podcast. And then every Tuesday, as we start to get settled in on YouTube, there will be a YouTube video. All right, guys, that'll do for this week. Thanks for listening. That was Kosh. This is Rebranded Safety, and I've been James. Catch you later. Safe.